Back to Hebrews 4. We began in, on Monday in Hebrews 4. Remember that? If you were here? Anybody that was here remember that far back? I, I see some studious folk nodding their heads right away. Some of the fo- rest of folk were scratching their heads looking like that was a long time ago, you know. Hebrews 4, verse 1. Let's begin reading again. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest. Everybody say rest. Any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel or good news preached as well as unto them. Now you'd have to back up to the third chapter and realize he's talking about these same Israelites that we just got through mentioning. Uh, that came out of Egypt, that first generation that didn't go into the promised land. He said the good news was preached to them. Do you know the gospel was preached to those Israelites many years ago? (laughs) What gospel? Well, gospel means what? Good news. Was there any good news proclaimed to them? Yeah, God's given you a wonderful land. A good land is is with milk and honey. It's a blessing land. That's good news. But they didn't mix faith with their good news did they anybody with me today Uh, for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them but the word or the word of hearing the word preached did not profit them not being mixed with faith in them that heard it you know the Lord told me and we'll see this clearly more clearly as we go down through this very passage but I know some uh, uh, some time back, some time ago, uh, the Lord was dealing with me about how to tell whether people were receiving the word that we were ministering to them properly or not. How to tell whether people were believing it or not. And, uh, you know, of course you can't see inside somebody's heart. You don't know somebody's heart. But people's responses tell you a whole lot. And, and the Lord began to share with me that if somebody shares with me their problem, and I share with them the word that deals with that problem, that brings the answer. And once I have shown them the word, if they're still upset, if they're still afraid and still upset and still depressed, then they didn't believe what I told them. Are you with me? They don't believe it. Now, people mentally assent to it. A lot of folk can finish quoting it when you start telling it to them. But if they're still sad, if they're still anxious and depressed... Having heard it, I don't care how, how well they can quote it, they don't believe it. They're not convinced of it. They're not settled in it. Because if you believe the good news, it affects you. Is that right? And, and it'll affect you by you being relieved. Do you understand? If, if you hear the truth about that and, and you believe it, then it brings you immediate relief. Well, I've got X amount of bills, and I've got to have money by such and such time, and, and I've got to do this, and I've got to do that. And the Word says, My God supplies all my needs. We always have all sufficiency in all things and abound to every good work, etc., etc. If you hear that and you go, Yeah, I know that. But man, I've got to have X amount of money by such and such time. You say, Well, you don't believe it. Did you hear me? Very simple. You don't believe it. Well, yeah, yeah, really, I do, I believe it, but (laughs) we're back to that, on the wrong side of that word. No, but if you do believe it, what do you, what, how does it affect you? If you were upset, if you were anxious, then you will find some 
rest, that's what we've been talking about, or some relief. Relief. I want you to just uh, uh, hold your place right here and go back with me to Second Chronicles, the sixth chapter. Mm, let's see, am I telling you right? No, 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 no. Second Chronicles 32. 32. I told you wrong. 32 Second Chronicles. Second Corinthians, the sixth chapter, is a verse I'm thinking about. Big difference there. But in Second Chronicles, we want you to go to the 32nd chapter. Second Chronicles 32. Second Chronicles 32. Now, yesterday, uh, and if you weren't with us yesterday, it might not hurt you to get that tape. Amen. And I'm not just trying to push tapes. I don't get anything personal out of it. It goes into the ministry. But uh, uh, we talked a, a bunch. You know, it would help you to get the most out of what we're saying right now if you'd heard what went before. But uh, in, ver in chapter 32, what's happening is Sennacherib, uh, the king of Assyria, has encamped against Judah. They have come with a huge army. These uh, kings and armies of Assyria have just virtually conquered the known world over there at that time they have just you know uh, every nation they've come to they've defeated them and Judah is next and uh, this commander of the forces he's bragging and he's shouting to the people that are shut up in the city you see they've got the city shut up tight and they're outside the walls trying to get through and just camped against the city and they're saying, these other gods couldn't save their cities. What makes you think your God can save yours? And they were bragging and they were boasting. They said, you better not listen to Hezekiah. You better not listen to those prophets telling you God's going to save you. God's going to deliver you. You better surrender right now if all of you don't want to die. And, you know, the, the, what's going on here is so descriptive of the enemy. This is the enemy of God's people here, and it's descriptive of the devil and, and demons and how, how he talks and the kind of thoughts and the kind of feelings he brings to you to defeat you. Yeah, well, look at so-and-so. You know, look what happened to them. They tried to believe. Look what happened to them. Look at this person over here. What happened to them? Look at this. And he'll, the devil will recount to you all of what he calls victories. Whether he actually had a victory or not, he'll tell you he did. He's a liar. You understand what I'm saying? And he wants to magnify what he's done in his work. You know? He wants you to get looking at that so that you just throw up your hands and just give up. Well, uh, you know, he talked to these people until no, no doubt they were, you know, I mean, they were thinking about this because, I mean, he made some serious threats against them. And the thing is, he has done these kind of things to nation after nation. It's not just empty, vain talk because he has done some things to other people. And we know bad things have happened to other people in this life and now in which we live. Right? But the question is, we, you know, what are you believing? We don't necessarily know what they believed and what they did or didn't do. But what are you believing? You see. But the Bible said that, uh, uh, that the king, King Hezekiah, came in verse 6, and he spoke comfortably to the people. Hebrew literally says, he spoke to their heart. 
Did you hear that phrase? He spoke comfortably. I mean, when the enemy's talking and the enemy's working, you need some comforting words. Words that's going to give you what? Rest. Rest. He said to them, Be strong and courageous. You know how many times the Lord has said that? I mean, it's just, you could fill up many lists with that. Be not afraid nor dismayed for the king of Assyria, nor for all the multitude that is with him. What is, is he maximizing or minimizing the enemy? Minimizing. He said, don't, you, don't be afraid of that bunch. Don't you, don't you worry about it. You be strong. For there be more with us than with him. What's he doing? He's magnifying the Lord. Now he's not counting, you know, heads naturally. And saying, we outnumber them. We got nothing to worry about. Because no, they outnumbered them. The Assyrians outnumbered the, the inhabitants of Judah. I mean, they had to, uh, I mean, he, he even boasted. The commander, what was his name, Rabshakeh, you know, Rabshakeh, he, he boasted and said, give me X amount of people, you know, and I'll give you horses if you can put riders on them. In other words, you know, I feel, you know, I'll help you out. Here's some of my weapons. Here's some of my horses. <laughs> you can't touch us. And naturally speaking, that was true. Naturally speaking, they're outnumbered, they're outgunned, outmatched. But instead of magnifying them, he magnified God. And he said, there's more with us. Than with him. He's talking about God. He's talking about the heavenly host. Amen. He's talking about the angels of God. Angels of God. Glory to God. And you know there was. You read in the same incident. And you'll see that the angel of the Lord went out at night. Not too long after this was, this was said. An angel of the Lord went out and smote 185,000 of these enemies. One night. When they got up the next morning, they said there was dead people everywhere in the camp. And so, man, they packed up and went home. <laughs> but wonder, what if the king had been magnifying the Assyrians? Oh, look at the size of that army. Look how big they are. Look how terrible. Look at their track record. Look how many uh, countries they've defeated. No. He said, don't you, don't you be dismayed about that. Don't you be concerned about that. You be strong and courageous because I'm telling you, there's more with us than with him. With him is the arm of flesh. Oh yeah, he's got flesh and he's got lots of it, but it's just flesh. Just flesh, just human beings, just human strength. But with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. Now notice, now notice. And the people did what? Rested themselves upon the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. The Hebrew literally says instead of rested, it says they leaned themselves. They leaned on his words. I mean, before he started talking to them, they had heard all this boasting of the enemy and their hearts were moved like the trees in the forest when the wind blows. But their king stood up. Boy, it's good to have a leader like this, isn't it? 
leader that will talk faith in the time of distress. Amen. Now somebody will get up and talk about how bad the situation is. Somebody will get up and talk about how big their God is. Amen. He said, don't you be moved by this bunch. Don't you be upset by it. Don't you be upset by this problem. Because there's more with us than there are with them. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Amen. Greater is the healer in us than the sickness coming against us. Greater is the provider in us than the needs that we might face. Greater. Greater. He said, they just arm of flesh with them. But the Lord our God is with us. The God who made the heavens and the earth. The God who reigns supreme, who's existed from eternity past, throughout eternity future. He is with us, and he's with us to help us, and he's with us to fight our battles. Don't you worry about it. He's going to take care of us. And boy, all the people, when they heard that, they thought, Ah, yeah, that's right. And they leaned up against those words. Now, what does that prove to us? They believed it. Is that right? They rested themselves on those words that shows they believed it. What if after Hezekiah's speech to them, they'd still been wringing their hands going, Well, that sounds good. But did you see how many soldiers are out there? Shows they don't believe it. When you believe the word of God, you find relief. You find rest. Now, not one symptom may have changed. Not one part of the circumstance may have changed. But when you have faith in what he told you, you get relief immediately. You go, ah, okay, all right. That's what God said. It's going to be all right. Amen. You get relieved before you ever see anything or feel anything or hear anything different. You find relief. You find rest. Can you say amen? Go back with me to Hebrews. Fourth chapter. What did he say? Verse 3. Hebrews 4, 3. For we which have believed do enter into rest. I want us to confess that about three times anyway. Say it again. For we which have believed do enter into rest. Say it and think about it. For we which have believed do enter into rest. For we which have believed do enter into rest. Are you believing for something today? Are you calling yourself in faith about something today? Are you? Well, then what? If you really are, what are you doing about it? You're resting about it. Now, upset, anxious, fearful is not rest. Distressed is not rest. Right? If you're in faith, you're in rest about it. Is that right? Well, don't, don't quit me now. Am I saying it right? Is, that, is this correct? We which have believed do enter into rest. When you get in faith about something, you go, ah, praise God. Remember what God said? It's going to be all right. Amen. Yeah, but the, the problem, the sickness, the debt, the need. Yeah, but don't magnify it. That's how you get in doubt and unbelief, you see. Don't magnify, magnify what the Lord told you. Yeah, but the Lord said. 
The Lord said, if you say, yeah, but the problem, then you, you, you're not going to have peace. You're going to have distress. You're going to be upset, fearful, anxious. But if you say, well, I know what the problem, but the Lord said, that's going to give you peace. Rest. And you can examine whether folk are in peace or whether folk are in distress and unrest and anxiety, and you can determine what they've been saying and what they've been thinking and what they're believing. It's really more obvious than we might think for. Remember what the Lord said? Isaiah 26. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on these. Because he trusted me. Well, see, if you don't have peace, if you're upset, it's obvious you have not been keeping your mind stayed on him. I don't care what you say. If it's you, if it's me, if we're all upset, anxious, fearful, we've been thinking on the problem. Haven't been keeping our mind stayed on the Lord. Because if you've been keeping your mind stayed on the Lord, what he said is true and he's faithful to do what he said he would do. If we'd really been keeping our mind stayed on the Lord, what would we have? Peace. Perfect peace. Hebrew literally says, peace, peace. Amen. English renders it perfect peace. It's great to have peace, peace. Amen. In a world full of turmoil and hastiness and anxiety, you and I can have peace. Isn't that what Jesus said over in John 14? Let not your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. Amen. He said, uh, in the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And he said, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth give unto you. I'm giving you my peace. That means we, if we'll let that peace work in us, we can go through the toughest of situations. The most severe trials. Amen. And even though outwardly some things might be distressful, yet inwardly we have peace. We have rest. Because we're in faith. Because we believe. We which believe, we which have believed, do enter into rest. Now skip down to verse 9. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest... He also has ceased from his own works as God did from his. How many know there's a difference between working and resting? <laughs> working is not resting. Resting is not working. Two different things. If you're working, you're not resting. Just we're talking from the natural example. That's what he's using. He that centered into his rest, he has what? Ceased. Ceased from his labors or his works. Is that right? Now we'd said this to you before. That the, the different, different mentalities here are. If you're working to get it. Or resting in it. Alright. Working to get it. Is not the rest. But if you're in faith, if you're in rest, you're not trying to get it. You're resting in it. Are you with me? Not striving to get it, working to get it. See, we, we have to change our mentality. We mustn't see ourselves as far as the area of, of sickness. We mustn't see ourselves as the sick ones working, trying to get healed. We must see ourselves as the healed. Amen. That the enemy is trying to convince us otherwise. But we're not, we, we mustn't see ourselves as trying to get 
healing. Because see, Jesus took our infirmities, bore our sicknesses. He got our healing for us. And, and he's in us and we're in him. Amen. If he got it, then we have it. If we have it, we don't have to get it. If we have to get it, we hadn't got it. I'm not trying to be confusing, but are you with me? That'll lose you somewhere in there. You either believe you've got it or you're trying to get it. Is that right? You might say, well, yeah, but I, I don't have it. You know? Yeah, well, that's why you've got to believe you've got it. If you, if you had it experientially, you wouldn't have to believe that you have it. Are you with me? You could just see, you could see and know experientially, experientially that you've got it. But what have you got to do? Believe. Amen? Believe. When you pray, believe you receive them. Amen? And then after you believe you've received it, then you believe you've got it. Right? Let's say if you prayed a prayer and said, well, I believe I received. Then ten minutes later you could say, well, I believe I received. And I have. But you may not have it out here where you can see it and feel it, but you believe you've got it. By faith, you've got it inside. You've got to believe you've got it. You've got to believe you've got it in here before you see it and get it out here. You know the same thing is true concerning the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Do you know that? You've got to believe you've received. First. Amen. While it may not look and feel like you have. Same thing is true concerning prosperity. You've got to believe you've received. Amen. Got to believe you've got it. Then outwardly you see it. Experience it. Well, he said here though, he said, we, he that's entered into his rest, or another way of saying that, he that's in faith, has also ceased from his own works as God did from his. See, God rested on the seventh day and that Sabbath is a type of the day in which we live in, in the day of grace, where that we are to be resting in the finished work of Christ. We believe we're saved, not working for salvation. If you're working to be saved, you're not saved. That's a, that's a sad thing about some folk. You know, there are groups today. They're working for their salvation. You know, they, they believe if they do enough of this or they do enough of that, then maybe when they get to heaven... And, and the great scale is brought out and all their good works are put on one side and their bad works are put on the other. If they have enough good works, then the scale will be tipped and St. Peter will go, well, okay, come on in. It's not going to be anything like that. You understand? Because we're not saved on the basis of our works. You're not saved because you're a good person or because you do a lot of good things. We're saved because of what Jesus has already done for us. If we will rest in that, how many is resting in what Jesus did for you to be saved? Do you lose sleep about it at night? Wondering whether when you get up there if it's going to be enough, you see? I don't. I believe I'm saved, don't you? I'm, and why do I believe I'm saved? Why, you know, am I, am I upset that maybe I might go to hell? You know? No, I'm not. I'm not. I, I, I'm, I'm resting in what Jesus did for me. If we could do the same thing with healing, we got it made. Can you rest in the finished work of Christ that he took your infirmities, he bore your sicknesses, by his stripes you were and therefore are healed? 
Amen. And yet we've heard, you know, by stripes we're healed. We've heard that how many times? But see, if we've got a problem and then we're told, well, praise God, you know, by stripes we're healed. And folk go, yeah, yeah, I know. But you see, well, see, still upset, still anxious. That shows what? Don't believe it. Because if you believe that, what would happen? You'd, you'd, you'd get relief. You'd go, yeah, that's right. And you'd lean yourself on First Peter 2.24. And you go, that's right. I already was healed. I was and I am. And I is and will be. Healed. Amen. Lean on it. So you've got to do that before you ever feel one change. That's why it's called faith. Amen. Evidence of things not seen. You don't see or feel yet. But you believe. You believe it's done. You know, we operate in faith naturally with one another all the time. Don't we? Sure. I mean, you know, you call somebody up on the phone and say, look, you know, I got this thing. Uh, and I got to do this and do this and this certain area. Could you take care of that for me? And that's something that's weighing on your mind, you know. And man, I got to do that, but I don't have time. And they say, oh, yeah, I'm right over here close by. I can take care of that for you. Don't worry about it. And you hang up the phone and go, ah, got that taken care of. You didn't see them do it. Not even done yet. Is that right? But yet you get relieved. Is that right? What is that? It's faith. Faith in them. Is that right? Why can't we be relieved before we see any changes or have anything experienced when God tells us something? We can. I said we can. Just take what he told you and go, ah, that's it, that's settled. Move on to the next thing now. That's taken care of. Amen. Amen. Just just take like a financial need. You know, maybe nobody can relate to this right now today, but if you had some financial needs, you know. Let's say you need, you know, let's say you need $200. You need it right away. Well, according to the Word of God, same principles work on $4 million. You understand? It's the amounts wherever you're at and what you need. But let's say you need $200. And uh, you know how to act on the, on the Word of God. You know, the Bible teaches appropriation. The money you need is down here in this world. God's not going to rain bills out of the sky. He said if you give, it's going to be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Men is going to give to you. Now, you don't tell God who and how. That's not your business. But you believe Him. And he'll deal with somebody. and You know, it can come in a number of ways. Any number of ways. But anyway, you need it. So, let's say, well, you say, well, in the name of Jesus, uh, I appropriate, I claim such and such amount out of this world system. Go ministering spirits, cause the finances to come in. I believe I'll receive it right now. Now, if you believe that's effective, what are you going to do from now on? You'll think, well, praise God, that's, that's done. It's on its way. If you still sit around and worry the rest of the day and think, what am I going to do? Well, you've already done something, didn't you? Well, yeah, but I mean, what am I going to do? <laughs> well, if you believe you did something, then you believe it's working, it's coming. Is that right? And if you believe it's taken care of, then even though you don't have it in your hands yet, you've got some relief, you've got some rest. Don't worry about it, it's on its way. 
And unless you're in that condition, you're not in faith. If you're still pacing the floor, if you're still pulling your hair, if you're still calling everybody and their brother trying to work something up. You understand what I'm saying? Trying to finagle some way. So you hadn't ceased from your labors. You're laboring. Because when you get in faith, you quit laboring to try to make it happen. And you get in rest depending on God to make it happen. I'm doing better preaching than y'all doing amen in. <laughs> Are you listening? This is, this is good. This, this is where it's at. This is how to get results. Got to rest. I said you got to rest. And don't say I can't. Because you can. I said you can. You can, you can, you can. Look at that verse again, verse 10. Wouldn't hurt us to camp a week on verse 10. For he that is entered into his rest. What's happened? He also has ceased from his own works. If you're resting, you quit working. Now, I didn't say you quit your job. Did nothing. I'm talking about in this particular area where you're believing God. Let's say it's healing. If you believe you've received, then you're not, you quit trying to work to get your healing. You quit trying to heal yourself. You quit trying to do it. You quit trying to make it happen, and you rest in the fact that it's done. Even though you hadn't seen it and felt it yet, you're resting. Hey, it's done. It's taken care of. It's God's responsibility to cause it to work out in my body. I'm resting in it. Amen. Is that right? Do I have any single people in here today? Let me see your hand. What about faith for a, a partner? A spouse, husband, wife. Hmm? Well, if you've entered into rest about it, what have you, what have you done? <laughs> Ceased from your own labors and works. <laughs> you, you've quit working so hard trying to make something happen. You quit beating the bushes. Shaking the trees. Trying to make something happen. Are you listening? <laughs> you know, there's a, you gotta have, to have, have to have a balance of some of these things. I remember several years ago, I was believing God for a certain thing. And I, you got, you got to be led by the Spirit, you know. The Lord leads you to get up and go do something. Well, you go do that. But otherwise, you just rest in Him. And uh, I, had, I had prayed about this particular thing, and I believed I had received. And somebody, you know, got irritated with me because I wasn't I wouldn't doing enough, they didn't think. You know, you've got you to do this, and you've got to do that, and you've got to do the other. And you have to rightly divide what I'm saying. I hope you are. But, but anyway, they said, do you, do you think that somebody's just going to walk up and do this for you? I said, well, they sure could. <laughs> Do you know that before the week's out, somebody walked right up to my door, knocked on the door, and did it for me. That person about swallowed their teeth. 
They did just exactly what they were telling me. You don't think somebody's going to walk up to your door and do this? They did. They did. What were you doing? Resting. Resting. That's which is another way of saying what? Believing. Believing. You know, I think if we're not careful, we, we've got this idea that believing is labor. What are you doing? Oh, I'm believing. Oh, trying to believe this thing in. Come on in, 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 come on in. Oh, believe, 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 believe. But what is believing? Ah, leaning. Resting. Is that right? Somebody said, what are you doing about it? Resting. Well, you know this thing is going to work. I sure do. Amen. So you have to be careful. You have to rightly divide the scriptures, you see. You have to be careful about, you know, you've got your part to play, but if you're not careful, you try to do God's part and yours too. Try to make things happen. Where faith is a rest. You've got to learn how to turn it over to Him and say, well, I've given it to Him. He's told me. He's heard my prayer. I believe I've received. And so, as far as I'm concerned, it's done. Rest. Amen. Read that verse again now. Read it again close. He that is entered into his rest. What's he done? He, has, he also has ceased. What's cease mean? Quit. Stopped. Right? No longer doing it. Cease from what? From his own works. Works. As God did from his. Anybody believing for a spouse? Well, then what ought you be doing? <laughs> that can be hard on your flesh, though, can't it? <laughs> yeah, because your flesh says, man, let's make something happen around here. Come on, shake the bushes. Get something going. <laughs> let's get us some computer printouts of everybody in, in a tri-state area. Let's see how many we can date a week and maybe through a process of elimination we might find the right one. <laughs> or you might find the wrong one. <laughs> it takes faith to wait on God, doesn't it? Instead of do it yourself. I see the, the you know, the thing is, so many of the things that you need done, you just cannot do yourself. It's impossible. You just can't do it. If God doesn't do it, it won't get done. But then, of course, there are a lot of things that you can do yourself which are wrong. You can do all kind of wrong things yourself, mess things up yourself. But are you resting? We've got to have faith in God, don't we? If you're single, if you're believing, you know, God knows where you're at, and he knows where they're at. And he knows how to get your past across. It makes no difference if you're in Oklahoma, and they're in Antarctica. 
You understand? Or if you're in Florida, they're in, uh, you know, Europe or Africa, China. God can do it. You know, you know what I'm saying? We talked about yesterday about money. God can do it. He knows where the money's at. Doesn't he? And he can get it to you. But what do we got to do though? We got to rest. Does that just happen real easy automatically that you just slip into that rest and stay there? No problem. No. Notice the next verse. He said, let us do what? Labor. Well, now wait, wait just a minute. I thought he's been talking about resting the whole time. And then he comes up and says, let's work. You know, uh, if you teach and preach the word of God, the rightly divided word of God, a lot of times to the untrained ear, it'll sound like you're contradicting yourself. You know? I've had people accuse me of contradicting myself several times. Now, there were a few times they were right, but I mean, <laughs> but most of the time, not so. Most of the time, they just, I was, I was bringing up another aspect of the Word of God, and you got to, how do you rightly divide the Scripture? How do you rightly divide a verse with another verse? Is that right? To help see the other side of it. And we're not talking about compromise. We're just talking about seeing the other sides and aspects of something. So, I mean, he's been talking to us about rest, 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 rest. The first bunch didn't go in, couldn't even get in the promised land because they didn't rest. They didn't mix faith with what they heard. They didn't rest. Got to rest, got to rest, got to rest. And then he says, let's work. But you've got to read the whole, whole verse. What did he say? What do you work to do? Let us labor or work, therefore, to enter into that rest. Rest. So he, he comes right back to the rest, doesn't he? Is there any work involved in these things? Yeah. But what is it for? To get in the rest. You mean you have to work to get into the rest? <laughs> yeah. You do. Labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Then he starts talking about the Word of God. Must be a key to getting in the rest. Amen. <laughs> The Word of God, quick, powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. When you're laboring to get in this rest, do you suppose you have any trouble between your soul and your spirit? Let's say it like this. Reckon you have any trouble between your head and your heart? Are you trying to get in the rest? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Word is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that's not manifest in his sight. All things are naked and open in the eyes of him which, with whom we have to do. Seeing that we have a great high priest that's passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us do what? Hold fast our profession, or that word means confession. Now he talks about confession. You already have two tremendous keys of getting into the rest. The word and your mouth. The word in your mouth. You understand? Laboring to get into that rest. How many remember 1 Timothy 6? Hold your place here. Turn over there and look at it. Turn back and look at it. 1 Timothy, the 6th chapter. Just the 12th verse. You know it, but let's, we'll read it again. It won't hurt us. 1 Timothy 6, 12. 1 Timothy 6, 12. He said, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold 
get a hold of something. Lay hold on eternal life whereunto thou art also called and hast professed or confessed a good profession or confession before many witnesses. Now, the term rest and the term work or fight, you know, sound contradictory. And I don't know about you, but I struggled with this some years back. trying Because a new faith is a rest. But then it said, fight the good fight. Are you with me? And I thought, well, it says fight the good fight of faith, but then faith is a rest. Are you fighting or are you resting? You see? Which is it, you know? How do you reconcile the two? I mean, you don't see somebody laying on the sofa with their eyes closed and a glass of iced tea. So what are you doing? Oh, I'm fighting. <laughs> you don't look like you're fighting. Right? Or you don't see somebody embroiled in, in, a, in a, you know, tremendous intense struggle with somebody else like, a, like they're wrestling with them or something and they're perspiring and they're straining and say, what are you fellas doing? Uh, resting? No, 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 no. Resting and fighting. Two different things. What's our objective? To fight or to rest? Our objective is to rest. But in order to get in the rest, what are we going to have to do? Fight. You've got to fight to get there. And I might also add, once you've entered into it, to stay in it. To stay in the rest. What have you got to fight? Lies. Circumstances. Feelings. Bad experiences. A whole host of things that will bombard you and you have to get through that. Is that right? To get to the place where you, I'm resting. Are you with me? And then after you get into, I mean, you can get in a good service and get your heart settled in something. Oh, yeah, ah, praise God, I'm resting in this. But if you're not careful, see, you leave the service, get hit with some symptoms, get another bad report, somebody tell you this or that. You, what, what's, what's the enemy doing? Trying to get you out of that place of rest. Get you back over into being upset and anxious and fearful and stressed out. Why? Because if you get in faith and stay in faith, you're going to have the victory, you see. You're going to win that battle. And so the enemy knows that. He knows he's got to get you out of the rest, get you out of faith. Elsewise, you're going to defeat him on every turn. And so he is a master at upsetting people and distressing people and provoking and inspiring fear and anxiety and worry. I mean, he's been successful here and there with you, hasn't he? <laughs> and me. But let's learn his devices. And let's not yield to it and not let him be successful. You've got to make up your mind. I'm going to get in the rest and I'm going to stay in the rest. I don't care what happens. Like David said, though the, though the earth be removed, though the mountains are carried into the midst of the sea, God is my refuge. And my strength. See, it's a place of rest, a place of refuge, a fortress. You can get inside and relax. Let the lightning flash, let the wind blow, let symptoms come, let things be said, but I'm going to rest. Now, that's easier said than done, isn't it? But that's what our objective has got to be. If we're going to believe God, we've got to get in rest, we've got to stay in the rest. But there are so many things that will, that will pull you out of that rest. If you let them. Amen. You ever been in a situation where, I mean, you know, you heard the word and maybe went to a good service and heard a good tape, read a good portion of scripture, you know, and you, you kind of got settled down, got some peace, and then after a phone call or two or 
or a discussion with somebody. Next thing you know, boy, you're, you've lost it. Hmm? Didn't have to, but you did. And so we've got to learn how to keep that from happening. And that, that answers some questions why a lot of folk, you know, they say, well, I've been believing God for 29 years on this certain area and it hadn't happened yet. Well, no, have you really been believing God for all that length of time? You see? Again and again, that's not the case at all. Folk sometimes get in rest and stay there for 30 minutes and then they get out. They get in faith, stay there maybe a day or two. Get out, stay out for a week. Then they get back in faith and get out of faith. That's called wavering. And the wavering person is going to receive what? Nothing. You won't receive like that. You've got to get in rest. You've got to stay in rest. Is that right? And then you, st- how long do you stay? Until you see it. Until you feel it. Is that right? You just get in that rest and you stay there. You make up your mind. I don't care. Nothing's going to move me out of this place of rest, which is out of this place of faith. Now, like we said, this labor is the labor to enter in the rest of God. This fight is the fight to get into the rest. And then once you're in, stay in. Now you know the Bible said forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Settled. But you know just because it's settled in heaven doesn't mean it's settled in you. <laughs> is that right? You know, Brother Hagin, one of his favorite sayings is, uh, uh, God, you know, the word said it, the Bible said it, or God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Heard somebody that was, you know, they thought they were going to improve on it. They said, well, God said it. That settles it. Wrong. Not for you. You understand? Just because God said it, that doesn't mean it settled in you at all. No, you've got to include that other part. God said it. I believe it. Now, it's not only settled in heaven, it's settled in you. I mean, the word is forever settled in heaven. And heaven and earth, this natural heaven and earth will pass away. And that word will still be standing. It's settled. It's purified. It's refined. People can believe what they want to and write books and say and do what they want to. But after those books are written, that word will be pure and shining. You understand? But that doesn't mean it's settled in us. And so we have everything to do with whether it's settled in us and how much it's settled in us. One of the great keys, you see, to getting into the rest is obtaining a fully persuaded heart. Amen. See, when people are upset and, and, and confused and they have consternation about the thing, so many times the, the real bottom line is their heart's not settled on it. They hadn't got settled because when they finally get settled on it, Then they get into the rest and relief and they get some peace. Got to get it settled. Amen. Is it God's will or is it not God's will? Am I healed or am I not? Am I in faith or am I not? See, you can have questions and you can go back and forth and you can have turmoil inside you, but you got to get it settled. And that's where the labor comes in. Right? That's where the labor comes in is in getting it settled. Got to get it settled. Amen. You ever tried to get something settled with anybody? <laughs> huh? 
Maybe he had some confusion, had some problems. Maybe he had some arguments. But what do you need to get, what needs to happen? You need to get it settled. Does that require some labor sometimes? It does. There's a lot of times, you know, you have to, you have to be patient and you have to take the, make the effort to express yourself and understand. You have to work through some things. But then if you can get it settled, now you can go on. Is that right? But you gotta get it settled. Gotta get it settled. Got to get it settled. Amen. I tell you, the Spirit of God is saying that right now. Got to get it settled. Got to get it settled. He's saying it to a lot of people about a lot of different things. Get it settled. You need to get it settled. Do you know you can go years and not get things settled? I mean, you can go for years. And you can kind of play around with it and look at it and talk about it. This, But just never really get that area nailed down, case closed, settled in your life. But see, until you get it nailed down, until you get it settled, you can't be in faith in that area. You can't get relief. You can't get rest. You've got to get it settled. You know, I was reminded of a phrase. Just go over. It's, 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 it almost sounds out of context, but, but it's not. Go over with me to the book of uh, Ruth. Ruth. Anybody know where Ruth is? I don't mean somebody named Ruth. This Ruth. Ruth, you remember what happened, don't you? Ruth was a Moabitess woman. And uh, her husband and her brother-in-law and her father-in-law all died. She wound up her and her sister-in-law and her mother-in-law, which was Naomi, an Israelite. And her sister-in-law left. But she went with her mother-in-law back to her native land. In fact, she forsook her country, forsook her people, forsook her gods. And accepted Naomi's God and Naomi's people. She became a Jewish proselyte. She got in covenant with God on the Old Testament. Yet she's a foreigner. But anyway, they had a a relative, kinsman redeemer, named Boaz. Or Boaz, depending on how you pronounce it. And uh, this is, Boaz is such a beautiful type of Christ. He's our brother, our kinsman. He's also our redeemer. Amen. But anyway, uh, Naomi told Ruth, she, she said, you know, when, when they were having their, their threshing and what have you, their, their harvest, he's, she said, you go up now and uh, when, when you mark out where Boaz goes to sleep and go over there and, and, and tell him, you know, in, in the language they use was very descriptive, but, but tell him, you know, tell him that to enter into covenant with you and, and make yourself available to him to take as his wife and and what have you that you that you want you're open and want this to be settled? Well, he had the right to redeem, and under the the law, the uh, the nearest kinsman would marry the uh, the wife, the widowed woman, and the first son they had would bear the name of the deceased father, so that his name wouldn't perish and would continue on in the in the tribes. That's the law. But anyway, uh, she went and she told him that. But then he told her, he said, well, he said, uh, there is somebody that's closer to you than your family than I am. And he'll have the first right. But if he doesn't do it, I'll do it. I'll marry you. I'll take over the property. And I'll, you know, the first child will bear the the father's name. I'll fulfill the law. I'll be a husband to you. And uh, that's what she wanted. And that's what they wanted. But anyway, when when Ruth 
came back and told her mother-in-law Naomi this. Verse 18 of chapter 3 of Ruth. Ruth 3.18. Then said she, Sit still, my daughter, until you know how the matter will fall. For the man will not be in rest until he hath finished the thing this day. Now, did you notice that phrase? The man will not what? Be in rest until he has finished, or we could say settled it. I mean, and she, she's speaking wisdom here. She said, you know, uh, Boaz won't rest until he gets this thing settled today. I mean, and he didn't. It tells you the rest of the story. I mean, early in the morning, you find him out there at the city gate looking for the sky. You know, the, the, the kinsman that was closer to them than him. As soon as he came by, he said, hey, hey, come over here. And then he caught some elders around. He said, come here, I want you to witness this. And I mean, he got right on it, and he didn't rest. But here's the thing. In different areas where we must deal with things, until we settle it, we can't have rest. I'm talking about things we need to deal with. Things we now, There's some things we don't even have to bother with. We're borrowing trouble from something that doesn't pertain to us. But things that pertain to us, if you just go on and procrastinate and don't settle it, then you, you rob yourself of the valuable rest that you need and could be yours. Are you with me? you got to settle things. Settle things. Spirit of God saying, settle it. Get it settled. Get it settled. I know uh, uh, the, the Lord some years ago ministered this illustration to me. And, uh, I, man, I've seen it through the years since then. It's so, it's so true. It's so correct. And that is that he, he, he ministered to me the comparison of a cluttered closet or a cluttered garage. How it's annoying and how it's hard to find anything in it. You know? You ever had a drawer that was a catch-all drawer? A closet that was a catch-all closet. Some people have catch-all houses, I mean, you know. But I, but I thought, you know, a garage. There was just, you know, you know, after a while, it's got so much stuff in it, you don't know what's in there. You just, when you have something else, you just open the door just a little bit and push it in there and shove it back. And you, you tell people if they open that door, be careful, stand back. Because you don't know what's liable to come out of there. I used to work on cars a lot with guys, and I had cousins that were racers, and we were always doing stuff like that. And some of those guys were like that. Some of them were good mechanics and racers, but man, disorganized. I've seen some of them, you know, and they and they needed a tool for something. They said, well, you know, I got one of those. I bought one of those last year. And they go to look in the room where it's supposed to be and open the door, and you think, oh, Lord, man, you could stay in here for a day and never find it. And they say, yeah, forget this. Went and go buy another one. You know what I'm saying? Because, I mean, it takes too much time to try to find that one. <laughs> so much clutter. It's not settled. It's unsettled. And see, inside you, you can have that kind of thing. A lot of issues that have come up, you never got them settled. You understand what I'm saying? A lot of areas that, you know, you've had things, problems, whatever, you never got it settled. Well, see, that, that can have a congesting effect on your heart. Do you understand? And then when God deals with you about something, 
you know, it, com- it comes through your heart, but in your heart there's this clutter. And when you try to hear what God's saying to you, you look down, you check your heart, but man, there's so much stuff down in there. What is God saying right now? And procrastinating and not doing this and not taking care of this and not getting that settled and not getting this settled. You can have a lot of clutter inside. I mean, I'm not just talking about just spiritual things. I'm talking about natural things as well. I've just made it a practice that a lot of times, especially before I'm going to have certain services or certain things come up, I, I make it a practice. I try to take care of as much things as I can, get it out of the way, get it taken care of, get it off my mind. So I can be much clearer in my heart and mind when I go into that service. I'm not thinking, well, you need to do this and you got to do this. And don't forget this. And don't, you know, try to take, you know, try to take care of it. Get it out of the way. Do you understand what I'm saying? Don't just procrastinate unnecessarily. Because if you don't get things settled, you can't rest. Did you hear me? But you have to rightly divide this word too. Because I've seen people, you know, that they, you know, they just absolutely couldn't stand it unless the, the bed was made or unless the uh, uh, floor was swept for an hour. They couldn't wait an hour or two on it. They had to do it right then. Well, see, that can be a problem. If the Lord's dealing with you to do something else, well, it'll wait. But I'm just talking about going and procrastinating unnecessarily and just not getting things taken care of, just not getting things settled. And particularly about heart issues and heart matters. Because until you get it settled, what she say about him? The man won't rest until he gets it settled, until he gets it finished. Is that right? It's true concerning natural things, and it's true concerning spiritual things. Now, when I say get it settled, there are a lot of different ways of settling something. Aren't there? I have to figure it out. I have to understand all about it. No, you don't always have to understand all about it to get it settled. You just have to understand what you need to know about it right now. Sometimes the way you settle is you decide, well, that's got nothing to do with me. Close that case. Go on. Amen. I don't have to understand that to do what God's telling me to do. Close that case. Well, that's not too mean. If it pertains to somebody else, a lot of times you have to say, well, hey, I'm not their judge. They stand before the Lord. I don't have to figure them out. I don't have to answer for that for them. That's not, that doesn't pertain to me. Close it, get that out, get it settled. <laughs> A lot of unsettled things. But let's, what, what we need to get settled, let's get it settled. Amen. How do you get it settled? God has the answer for everything. Sometimes it's not the answer you thought you wanted, but it's the answer. And if you'll accept it, it'll settle it. I said if you'll accept it, it'll settle it. And so many times the answer is so much simpler than what we would try to make it out to be. Instead of looking for some something you've never heard before, look for the simple and look for the obvious. Because so many times that's right where it is. So many times it's right in front of your face. You have to go, oh, that's been there all the time. That's the answer right there. Just accept it. And get it settled. And get your heart fully persuaded. Can you say amen? Boy, y'all are quiet. Get it settled. Get it settled. Get it settled. Get it settled. I sure believe the Spirit of God is saying that today.
Amen. Get it settled. Amen. Now, one key to getting it settled, let's say, or, or, you know, getting it finished, getting it settled, it's really saying some of the same thing. Have you ever had projects that you, uh, that you had to do? Work, let's say, that you had to do. I know I have. I know growing up here, yeah, I thank God that I learned to work as a boy. Uh, we grew up on a farm. And what, my mom and my dad would give us boys projects. And so many of them, you couldn't do them in a day. Couldn't do them in two days. Some of them you couldn't do them in a week or two weeks. You know what I'm saying? And us boys, you know, a lot of times, you know, like daddy would tell my brother and I, you know, we'd have a field of corn. He'd say, you boys, that corn's ready. You pull that corn. He worked another job. And so he'd, a lot of times he worked at night. So he'd be leaving in the afternoon when we were coming in from school. And he'd say, all right, boys, that, you know, that 10 acres of corn down there, whatever, it's ready. Y'all get it in. You know how boys are. I don't mean we had a tractor, a machine that we got on and played the radio and run the air conditioner. And, <laughs> and, uh, and, and I mean, you took your hands, you grabbed a hold of the ear corn and you pulled it off, threw it in the trailer. You know, you got all the, the ears of corn off of one stalk and went to the next stalk. And he went to the next stalk. And you look down the end of the road and it looks a long ways off. <laughs> And when you get that row done, there's lots of more rows left. And you know, what we used to do sometimes is, you know, we could use the tractor to put a trailer on, put the corn in the trailer, you see, but you have to pull it off by hand. We'd sit on the tractor sometimes and talk, you know, and think, oh, boy, you know, did you know so-and-so swimming today? <laughs> nah, yeah, they all went over to so-and-so's pond. They're swimming now. Oh, man, I wish we didn't have to pull this corn. Yeah, I know. Look how much is left. Yeah, I know. I know. But while we're doing this, is it getting settled? No. <laughs> and see, you could take a long time to get it settled. Is that right? Now, if we took very long, Daddy would talk to us about it. You know what I'm saying? But, I mean, you know, we could take a lot longer than it should take. But you're just making it hard on yourself, aren't you? We eventually learn, and that's one way you learn. If you got a job to do it, so even if it's a big job, what's the thing to do? Get on it, stay with it, and the more you stay with it, the sooner you're going to get done. Just be constant, be consistent, and before long, you know, you'll get it. But see, that's the same reason why a lot of folk haven't got a lot of things settled spiritually. They just have not gotten on it and stayed with that one thing long enough to get it settled. Did you hear me? They'll get on that one area and might stay on it a little while, but then they'll jump on something else and look at that a while. They jump on something else and deal with that a little while. Jump on something else. You know, understand what I'm saying? And so they're never getting anything really knocked out and finished and settled. Get it settled. Get on that one thing. Pray about it. Seek God. Study the Word on it. Get it settled. Amen. Some things are more difficult to get settled than others. But again, one of the main issues is to know where to look to get it settled. Right? So a lot of folk look in the wrong places. They run, ask this person what they think, and this fellow what they think, and ask everybody and their brother and read, try to read everybody's book. Go to the Bible. Go to God. Amen. Ask Him to show you. Ask Him to 
to help you see what you need to see to get it settled. And I mean stay on it. Just stay on it until you get it settled. Can you say amen? Amen. Get it settled. Stay on it till you get it settled. And then when you get it settled, you can enter into rest. It's going to make all the difference in your life. Make all the difference in your mental state. Make all the difference in your ministry. Make all the difference in your health and your life. Make all the difference in what kind of person you are to be around. Amen. Get it settled. It's a sad thing that folk go sometimes years and years and years and decades and don't get things settled. And it's rough because all that time you're robbed of valuable rest. I'm talking about spiritual rest that you could be having and enjoying. And I'm, you know, I'm not telling you I've done everything perfectly in these areas. I've gone in different areas way too long before you finally got it nailed down and got it established, you see. And the thing is, the reason people procrastinate is just comes back to unbelief. I remember one particular area. Uh, and I've done, I've done that I don't know how many times. I'm not proud of it, but I've done it several times. Where you had something, and in your own mind, you magnified the problem. And you thought, well, boy, this is a major deal here now. You know, we may have to fast 40 days to get this, this answer. I'm exaggerating, but you know, that, that kind of mentality. Man, ain't no telling how long we'll have to pray and study to get this. No telling how much we'll have to fast and pray to get the answer from this. And so, if you think it's going to be a long, drawn-out ordeal, then you kind of <laughs> put it off. But, well... <laughs> I'm not quite ready to get in that 40-day fast right now. Maybe soon we'll do it, you know. And so you don't broach it and you don't seek after it. I remember one particular thing a few years ago. I'd, I'd done that. And finally, I just, you know, because you keep going day in, day out, week in, week out, and you don't have rest in that area. Every time you get thinking about it, ah, i got to do that. i got to take care of that. i got to get that settled. And that wears on you mentally and emotionally and physically. Finally, I remember, I, did, I, I just said, I went in the bedroom, I just fell across the, fell across the bed, and I said, oh God, I gotta get this settled. God, I get, Lord, and I mean, I started praying, like if it takes it, I'm gonna be here all night. Now I just made up my mind, I'm gonna get this. Amen. So man, I'm praying. Oh God, I, you know what, what do I need to do about this? And I'm seeking, Holy Ghost, help me to pray. And I started praying in the Spirit. I hadn't been praying seven, eight minutes. Just like that, I knew in my heart what to do. Just just like that. Knew in my heart. That's it. And I thought, well, I've hardly got started here. Maybe I need to keep going on. I thought, no, I got the answer. That's what you're in here for, right? Yeah, well, I got it. Yeah. But see, I had it in my mind. It's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to be this long, drawn-out deal. That's why I've been putting it off. Cause I... Are you with me? You know, this I found. That it's not so much the marathon prayer that gets the results. It's the prayer of intensity. Did you hear me? I mean when you really focus everything 100% on it. When you do that, it usually doesn't take long. I mean, you, you get a hold of it. You get a hold of God and you get a hold of what you need. Isn't it what the Lord said? He said, when you seek after me, how? With all your heart, you find me. He's a rewarder of those that diligently. See, you can play around with it for years. 
kind of half pray about it and pray and play around with it a little bit and then get up and go, well, I don't know. This is just one of those things, you know. Or, man, I mean, you can pull out the stops and you can pray from the bottom of your toes. You know what I'm saying? I don't mean necessarily loud or screaming or crying. I just mean you are focused 100% on what you're doing. And you do that, it usually doesn't take that much. You get a hold of God. Are you with me? And then you get the answer and you get it settled and then you can get up and you've got relief. Got it settled. Sometimes the answer is not maybe exactly what you thought it would be, but you got the answer and you got it settled. So now you're in rest. You can go on. Whether it's about a healing, whether it's about a relationship, whether it's about your career, your ministry, I don't care what. You've got to get things settled, don't you? And if you seek the Lord with all your heart, you'll find Him. And He said, ask, it'll be given. Seek, you will find. Amen. Knock, it'll be open to you. Call unto me. And if I'm not too busy, I'll, no, no. Call unto me and I will. Will, I will. I'll answer you and I'll show you great and mighty things you didn't know. I'll show it to you. Now God's not a liar. If He told you He'd do that, He'll do it. But see, you gotta get serious about it, don't you? Okay, gotta quit playing with it. And quit be, quit, you know, stop being willing to just go on day after day, month after month, year after year without getting something settled. Get it locked down. Get the answer. Get it settled. Don't think. And see, it starts with faith to believe I can have the answer. I can pray. God will show me. I can get it. That's, you, you gotta have that background faith, you see, to even motivate you to, to pray like that. You gotta believe I can pray. God will hear me. He will answer me. He will show me. Now, if you're wondering, well, I don't know, you know, you could pray, but God might not show you, you know. Well, if he's not a liar, he'll do what he said he would do. And we know he's a true God, and he never lies, and he never fails. If he told you he'll answer you, he'll do it. I said he'll do it. If you'll do what he told you to do, seek after him with all your heart. I mean, just say, this is it. I'm tired of waiting on this. I'm tired of fooling about this. i got to get some answers. i got to get this settled. Get down and seek God with all your heart. And, and don't just pray, but listen. Listen inside you. Look for the answer. Seek for it. You'll find it. Amen. And then when you find it, it'll settle the issue in your heart. And then you can be fully persuaded of what God told you. And you can rise up with confidence. Amen. And you can rest because you got it settled. I said you can rest because you got it settled. Amen, 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 amen. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.